the Holy Spirit. And I thank you, Father, that I have been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. In Jesus' name, amen. Is everybody finished with um, their test before I move on? Hallelujah. We talked about the prophet, and I'm just going to review a little bit, not much on so far where we've been, the ground we covered. Um, first of all, I'm going to hold up my hand. And when we look at the hand, and it has the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and teacher. This hand represents the hand of God. And what's happening is Jesus walked in all five of these when he was on the earth. So when Jesus left to be with the Father, he left these gifts, these ascension gifts, unto the body of Christ to represent him in the body of Christ. So when we look at the, the five fingers I have held up, I'm holding up, the thumb is the apostle. The apostle governs. And the apostle can reach out to all the other ones. When you use your thumb, you can reach out to every one of them. So an apostle will walk in every one of these callings um, that Jesus left for the church. Then you have the prophet. Notice that the prophet is the finger that points. And what a prophet going to do, a prophet is going to point you to Jesus, but that prophet is also going to give you direction. You know, and we talked about that direction with that prophet because we got to understand that we have the Holy Spirit to direct us, but the prophets will come in and confirm what the Holy Spirit has already spoken unto you. So that prophet is going to point, you know, going to point, give you a revelation from God, point you to the things of God. Then you have the evangelist, which we're going to go over tonight, and I don't want to hold up my middle finger, but that middle finger is longer than all of them on my hand. So what they do, they gather and they reach out. That's their main function is to gather and reach out. You have this pastor, which is the ring finger, meaning that the pastor is married unto the church. The pastor shepherds um, the people of God. The pastor, um, you know, give the people of God guidance and love on the people and nurture the people. Then you have this finger here, this little finger here. Notice that when our ears are itching, what finger do we use the most? That finger, right? So what that finger does, it goes deep down in that ear and it makes sure that you uh, take care of that itch that's in there, right? So that teacher, what that teacher is going to do is go in and dissect that word. And the teacher is going to help you with the word of God, breaking down the word of God, rightly dividing the word of truth and helping you with knowing who you are now that you in the body of Christ. So tonight what we're talking about is the evangelist. So I just went over the ones, uh, we went over the apostle governs. So we know what the apostle do when the apostle govern. The apostle will come into a house. Now, apostle will have a house that they're in, um, that God has uh, placed them in, but then the apostle go out and govern other churches. Now, if they go into another church, they are not going to try to run that church. They're going to make sure that church is um, following the pattern of God, the way things should be God's way. So then that prophet, you know, the prophet walks alongside of that um, 
apostle because both of them laid the foundation. But once that apostle go in and lay the foundation for the church or, or whatever, that apostle is going to come in and confirm, you know, um, what has been laid or, you know, bring revelation of the word of God. So now tonight I want to talk about the evangelist so we have an understanding dealing with an evangelist. Now, the definition of an evangelist is to announce good news. It's a bringer of glad tidings. They announce good news and they're a bringer of glad tidings. And we're going to talk about Jesus as an evangelist because he walked as an evangelist. So we're going to look at his walk to understand an evangelist and what an evangelist does, he or she. When we look at Jesus, now what the evangelist is proclaiming is the good news concerning the kingdom of God. Anything that we do, we're only patterning what Jesus already done when he was here on earth. We don't add nothing to it. We don't take nothing away from it. So when we look at what Jesus done, this is what's supposed to be done in the body of Christ. So Jesus as an evangelist, when we look at Mark 1, verse 14 and 15, it says, I'm reading out Amplified. Now, after John was arrested and put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the good news, the gospel of the kingdom of God. And y'all know what Jesus said in saying, the appointed period of time is fulfilled, completed, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, believe a change of mind, which issues in regret for past sins and a change of conduct for the better, and believe in, trust, and rely on, and adhere to the good news, the gospel. So what Jesus was doing, he was bringing the kingdom down here um, from heaven on earth. So with Jesus proclaiming the kingdom of God, letting them know to repent the kingdom of God is near, that's what the evangelist does. They bring the good news concerning the kingdom, and that is good news because we were in darkness, but now we've been trained translated into the kingdom of his dear son we've been rescued so jesus is coming to restore that kingdom here on earth let's get another scripture dealing with that luke 4 18 through 19 this is what jesus is saying the spirit of the lord is upon me because he have anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor so we see that jesus came to preach the gospel to the poor he was preaching the kingdom of god unto the poor and to he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, what was this good news Jesus was preaching? And I already said it. It was the good news of the kingdom of God. And when we look at Matthew 4.23, it's saying the same thing. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. Now, this is the purpose Jesus was sent. Luke 4, 443. But he said to them, I must preach the good news, the gospel of the kingdom of God to other cities and towns also, for I was sent for this purpose. So Jesus knew the purpose that he was sent for. We know he walked as an apostle. He walked as a prophet, but he also walked as an evangelist. And an evangelist's main job, main duty is preaching the kingdom of God. It's winning the um, loss. It's um, once they preach the kingdom of God, they're letting them know about the kingdom and how they enter into that kingdom is through Jesus Christ. This is what Jesus done. And when we look at an evangelist, this is what an evangelist is supposed to do. Now, when we look at an evangelist, evangelists don't really stay in the church. 
Evangelist is more outside of the church, gathering. And when they gather, I'm going to give you an example, and I'm going to go through it. We don't have like a, well, I'll use this. Okay, I'm going to start with the evangelist. We talked about the apostle and the prophet. Remember that the apostles is in the church, and what the apostle does, and I don't know if y'all watch me doing it. I watch. And I know if you mature enough, if you equipped enough through the fivefold that's set up in here to send you out because you cannot send nobody out to disciple if they haven't been discipled, if they're not learners. If I'm watching your walk and I'm seeing what you do and how you do it, I'm like, mm-mm, they, can go, they ain't ready to go out. They're not ready to disciple. So with me governing, I'm going to know who's in here that is equipped to do what they're supposed to do. So as I'm watching, y'all know the prophet is going to give that direction. It's going to give you revelation from God. But then when you get to the evangelist, you have the evangelist, you have the pastor, you have the teacher. This is what the evangelists do. The evangelist's um, heart is to win souls. They have a desire. They have a compassion to win souls, to win the lost um, back, to restore them back to the kingdom of God. Anytime you see somebody that's always talking about the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, everywhere they go, when they're talking about kingdom, I don't care where they are, they're talking about the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you know that that person is anointed to evangelize. Now, don't get me wrong. Just because people win the loss don't mean they're an evangelist because all of us in here are supposed to be doing Matthew 28 and Mark 16. So with this evangelist, once they win that soul to Jesus Christ, once they win that soul to Jesus Christ, that evangelist is supposed to have a covering. They're supposed to have a local place that they go into for them to get what they need as well. They got to have that local place where they're up under a pastor. That pastor is their covering. So once they win that soul to Jesus Christ, uh, can you stand up here, honey, right here? Once they win that soul to Jesus Christ, they don't do nothing else to that soul. Nothing. They done done their part. So the pastor is over here, stand right here. So they done won that soul. Now that soul is passed to the pastor. The evangelist is through. Their job is done because they're going out and gather. They're telling them where to go. You got to have a place to go to be trained. You cannot just um, win a soul and they don't have um, nobody to cover them or no place to go to get trained. So it's passed to the pastor. The pastor is going to come in and nurture that person. The pastor is going to come in and you know how it says that uh, a shepherd, he watches the sheep. He call them by name. He love on the sheep. He give the sheep what they need. So that's the pastor's job. But after that pastor is through nurturing that person, the pastor is going to pass to the teachers. It's the teacher's job. What is the teacher going to do? The teacher going to let them know now that you in Christ, this is who you are now that you in Christ. So everybody have a part to play, but that evangelist don't keep that soul. That evangelist don't even really counsel that soul. That's up to the pastor. If an evangelist win a soul to Jesus Christ, they supposed to let that person know where to go for them to get what they need. They don't keep them to themselves because they don't have a ministry. They're not a pastor. They're not a pastor. You have people that have people up under them when they should be referring them 
to a local assembly, a local church, so they can get what they need, so they can be sent out to get more disciples. This is how it's disciples are the ones that make disciples. So once that evangelist get through with them, then they send them back into the body for them to get built up, for them to, what is it, to get edified, for them to get equipped for the work of the ministry, for the building up in, in the body of Christ. It's so much out of order now because people are trying to find people for themselves and they're not doing it the way that the Bible tells them to do it. And this is why you have confusion in the house. This is why you have some people that supposed to be where they need to be, but they look into the person who sent them in. They're waiting for that person to direct them. An evangelist is not a pastor. That's what we have to understand. They are not a pastor. I'll give you an example. Joyce Myers is an evangelist. She have meetings, but she can't keep those people because she go from place to place evangelizing. But guess what? Joyce Myers have to have a covering too because she don't have um, a church per se. She have a, a ministry where she's going out and she's winning souls, but she got to send them souls somewhere because once she pack up and leave that town, then those people are scattered. They're left without a pastor, without a shepherd. So anybody who evangelize have to put them up under a covering so they can be trained, so they can be raised up to go out and make disciples. Now, when I look, um, Joyce Myers have... Um, I can't remember what the name of the ministry is, but she founded a church and she, she's the founder, her son and his wife is co-founders. And then I found out that the, um, she got two, uh, pastors in there. So guess what? She got a cover, but she found it, (laughs) but that's how they work it. But anyway, so that's how it's supposed to be. So when we follow the pattern of the church, we won't have confusion all up in the church. Why am I saying there's confusion? Because me personally, I had someone that had people coming to them for advice. And they were giving them advice, but they weren't sending them to whom they need to send them to, to be nurtured. They didn't know what was going on in their life, but they was calling themselves as ministering to these people. And guess what? I had to turn around and fix something that they messed up because they were out of order. And they stood in front of the people to let them know people thought I was something I wasn't. They were calling them for advice. What you think I need to do about this? What you think I need to do about that? So they were so dependent on this person that they were looking up to that person to be something that they were not. They were not even mature enough to do even what they were doing because they were getting raised up. They were getting trained, but they were moving too fast. So you have to be careful on what you do and how you do it. So we even look at Billy Graham. You see Billy Graham everywhere, right? Winning souls. But those souls have to go somewhere. They can't stay up under Billy Graham because he's not a pastor. This is why you have to know your calling. You have to know what God has called you to do and you stay in your lane. See, God had revealed this to me today. He said, this is why so many problems in the body of Christ. So many people are out of their lane. You may, this is how it is. I may have Rico loving people, nurturing people. And people may say, Rico is a pastor, but she's not. 
She may appear to be one because of the love that she had, but that's not the anointing that God has placed on Rico's life. That's not the anointing for Rico. So people be going to her because they see in how she cares. They see how compassionate she is. But that's part of the love of God that's in Rico's life because the love of God has been shed abroad in her heart through the Holy Ghost. So she's having compassion on those people. That that don't mean she's a pastor. So everybody that you see that's nurturing or doing something like that, that does not mean they have the call of a pastor. But they can... um, Look as if they are pastor. So let's say dealing with Rico, people are going to her because of that. And they're telling her that she is a pastor. But Rico know deep down inside, God has called her, I'm using it for an example, to evangelize. That's where her anointing really lies, to evangelize. So because people are saying, Rico, you are a pastor, you are a prophet, you are an evangelist. But what did God call you? What is your mean calling? You cannot be in the house of God trying to play three roles. When you have one mean calling, when you have one mean calling, that's the one that you um, model. That's the one that you follow. When you look at Paul, Paul started out, he was a teacher, he was an evangelist, but when God called him to apostle, look at the books he wrote as apostle in the New Testament. So he governed. He went back and watched over those churches and he stayed in that role as an apostle. So you have to know where your anointing lie and you need to stay in your lane because God said people need to be script of what they picked up that I didn't tell them to do. And this is why the church have so many, so much confusion because people are trying to wear too many titles and God said the only one I want you to walk in is the one that I have called you to walk in, the main one. That's the one. Don't be trying to walk as no prophet. Don't be trying to walk as no pastor. If I called you to evangelize, that's what you're supposed to be doing. That's the anointing that's on your life. Can he use um, you as a prophet? Of course he can. But your main call is an evangelist. That's what he called you to, is to evangelize. So we have to know our calling. And we have to be sure of that calling. And that's where we're going to get trained at with that calling. So when we're looking at an evangelist, as you know, an evangelist go to different areas, to different locations. An evangelist can go in a park. Now, I want you to understand this with an evangelist. With an anointing of an evangelist, you can go in a park by yourself and begin to speak, dealing with the kingdom of God. And it's only one person, and you can end up gathering about 50. Because you got that call of an evangelist and that anointing is so strong. So when you gather in those 50 people and once you, um, you know, bring the good news of the kingdom and they say, what must I do to be saved? The next thing you're going to ask them is, okay, you need a church home. Do you have a church that you were going to or do you not have a church? And if they say, I don't have a church, whatever church that uh, that evangelist is going to, that's the one they sent them in. That's how it works. Now, the other job of an evangelist, they don't only go out and gather and bring them in. See, what they do, they drop them off. (laughs) They drop them off and they let the other fivefold do their job. They let the ones in there that's part of the fivefold, they threw. The next thing that they do in the house is an evangelist. Evangelist is going to teach the people through their zeal, through their desire, how to evangelize. 
Not meaning that first you don't have to be an evangelist to evangelize, but the fire that's on their life, they're going to begin to teach it in the body of Christ. And the ones that know that they're an evangelist, they're going to be trained by them. That's how it's supposed to work. An evangelist is supposed to train other evangelists. An evangelist is supposed to show other people how to evangelize. So when they go out, they got trained from where? In the house. That's how it's supposed to work. So an evangelist is going to gather. They're going to bring the people in the house. And then it's up to the pastor. It's up to the teachers. Because see, the apostle and prophet done laid that foundation. They, you know, they did their part. But now it's up to the pastor. It's up to the teacher um, to do their part. And guess what? Every joint going to supply. So that's how it's supposed to be. Now, when we look um, the call of an evangelist, we know that call comes from God. And I, I want to say this. If there is a call of an evangelist on their life, um, God will let that apostle know. That's one thing with an apostle. And it's another thing with the prophet. God will let that um, apostle know by knowing, by walking in all of those calls. The apostle is going to be able to recognize that call. But the apostle is going to confirm that to you because you're going to already know it because God is going to make that known unto you. But it's going to be confirmed. It can be confirmed um, through a prophet. It can be confirmed through the apostle. But the apostle is going to be the one that send that evangelist out to know that evangelist is ready to go out. If that apostle see that that evangelist is not ready to go out, she's going to say or he's going to say, it's not yet your time. You need some more training. Because they have to be developed in their character. This is why God has just placed this on my heart. He said there have to be some scripting in the body of Christ. He said it's too many people wearing too many titles and trying to play all of these roles and is not walking in what God has called them to do. You have to walk in what God has called you to do. I can walk in an apostle because God took me through all of them and then my last stop was apostle so I know what the other ones are doing and what they're not doing. That's what an apostle is supposed to do. They're supposed to govern. And see, the problem was with this house is people didn't know what I supposed to do, so they was getting mad when I check you. That was the problem in this house. People was upset when I check you on something. You thinking, I know everything. Oh, no, you don't. You think you know. That's why God put an apostle in the house to govern so he or she can check you. I don't even have to be here to check you. Because the Holy Spirit going to let me know you out your lane. He going to let me know you're doing something you don't supposed to do. And see, this is what I do, if y'all know me. If anybody from another church come up in here and want me to counsel them, what I do? Thank you. See, y'all know me. Why do I do that? I stay in my lane. It's order. I don't come out of my lane. So if I'm staying in my lane and I'm training y'all that way, why would you talk to somebody out of another church and counsel them? Anybody? Some people want to be recognized. Why would you take somebody else's sheep and begin to counsel them and they got a shepherd? Tell me, what are you trying to build? Your church. You don't do that because when, when anything happened, guess who's going to get caught in that loop? 
I'm going to be the one that got hit because, see, I'm supposed to be training you for you not to touch that. I shouldn't even have to tell you not to touch that. Now, it's one thing with directing them to the word. But if they're having love affairs, doing stuff, they didn't, it's one thing to give them the word, but it's another to keep them when you should be directing. You should say, this is what the words say, but you need to go talk to your pastor because they the one got to go back up under that man or woman and sit before them, and there you are, and they're going to tell them, well, that ain't what Jennifer Simpson said. That ain't what she said. They ain't what Tisha told me. They ain't what Monica told me. So what they doing? They got a rebellious sheep in that house because of something you told them. Now they turning against that shepherd because you've been prophesying. Well, I hear the Lord saying. See, people are going into different places, stealing people out of the place because they think they know more. That's one thing I don't do. If y'all ever heard me say, come to Miracle Temple, I often knew. Mm-mm, I don't do that. Why? Because if I'm doing what God tell me to do, God is going to send in this house whom he need to send. He's going to do this. He's going to bring in this house who need to be brought in this house because he know what's in this house. So it's not my job to go to somebody else's house and say, I come to bring you to Miracle Temple. Come out from under that mess. No, that's not my job. And this is what people are doing. When you get good teaching, it's always somebody out there waiting. Once you tell them what you're getting and you're so excited for them to say, that ain't right. How can somebody in tradition tell you what ain't right when the tradition of men make the word of God a none effect? And you, you know people follow that too? So this is what's supposed to be happening, y'all. This is why you have the fivefold. This is the hand of God that was left in the church to represent Jesus. So everybody have a role. They, they have an office. And if we stay in our lane, look how much we can get done together. But so many people want to be three roles. I know I'm a prophet. I'm a pastor too. And I can evangelize. Well, which one did God call you to? Tell me. Well, I'm like you, apostle. I believe the next thing is apostle. I'm just waiting on the other two. Ignorant, gone to seed. So we need to know what the word is saying before we step out of our lane. Because you know what the enemy is doing? He's laughing. This is why I get lashed at you know, stuff thrown at me because it ain't happening, Captain. Get mad all you want. See, I sit and watch what you do, how you do it. I watch. And I'm saying, oh, no, 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 that ain't right. No, you, you got to stay in your lane. See, when you get rebellion in the house from somebody that say they're a pastor, they, you ain't in your lane. <laughs> so, see, you got to know the call that's on your life, and God will give you that call. God will let you know that call. Now, in the New Testament, I'm going to go over um, some that were evangelists, and I'm going to start with um, Philip first. And I want to say Philip in Acts chapter 6. Go with me to Acts chapter 6, and we're going to see how this works. Remember I say you stay in your lane? First thing with Philip, Philip was a deacon first. According to Acts 6, verse 1 through 6. And this is what was happening in the book of Acts chapter 6. 
And in those days when the number of the disciples were multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. So there were a, a dispute going on. Um, and then this is what they did to solve the dispute. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. Who was going to appoint them over the business once they were found? The apostles. Y'all didn't get it? Let's read it again. Then the twelve, which is the apostles, called the multitude of disciples, which were the followers, which they, they became disciples through what they heard through the foundation that was laid unto them and said, it is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. He told the disciples to look for that. Why? Because the disciples was raised up that way to know the ones that's full of the Holy Ghost, know the ones that's full of wisdom. They knew the ones that was amongst them, right? So they got seven of them, and out of the seven, Philip was one of them. He was a deacon. So what the deacons were doing, they were serving. They were doing whatever they needed to do um, amongst them. They were serving. So first, Philip was a deacon. Now, I want you to catch that. That was the first thing he did was serve. He was full of the Holy Ghost. He was full of wisdom. When we go to Acts chapter 8, let's see what happened here. Now, remember, first he carried what? Deacon. Is that not right? But he was full of the Holy Ghost, full of wisdom, and what else? What else do they say? And men of honest report. Then we look in Acts 8, 5 through 13. Look at this, y'all. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria, Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Now, Philip is an evangelist, and I'm going to prove that in Acts 21. First, he carried a deacon role, Right? But then he went into the evangelist role, and that's where he stayed. That was where his anointing lied, was the evangelist. He left deacon, went to evangelist, and that's where he stayed. So when he preached Christ unto them, which was dealing with the kingdom, the same thing Jesus preached, the signs and wonders followed. So when you have an evangelist going out, you ain't going to have no man or woman that is not equipped to go out, that has not been trained. First of all, Philip carried that deacon role, and I'm pretty sure he was a disciple before he was a deacon, but he carried that role. He was full of the Holy Ghost, and I know he had the word of God in him because he was trained. He was full of the faith. He had an honest report, and see, that's one thing that we have to understand with the fivefold. Why would you put somebody in the fivefold, even though they got the call, you don't want to send them out or have them in front of people if they still lying all the time? Now, this is why an apostle have to watch what's in the house. Because if I got a person that I'm watching all the time, every time I ask them something, they lying, then look, you got to be delivered. Before you can even stand up in here and teach, we got to deliver you from your mess. Because that's not honest, is it? 
That's, that's not a good witness. That's not a good character of Jesus Christ. We have so many people that want to carry these roles, but they're so offensive. They won't apologize. They always got their guard up. This is pitiful now. So this is why we have to have humility in the body of Christ. Jesus trained those apostles well. So when those apostles trained others, guess what? They were following the same pattern that Jesus left for them. And when they trained the others, they were following the pattern that the apostle followed, which was the pattern of Jesus Christ. And it kept multiplying and multiplying. So we have to stay in our lane. So this is what happened to Philip. Philip preached to Samaria with an evangelist. You don't pick and choose who you're going to preach to. You go where God sent you. See, we can't pick and choose what we're going to do and how we're going to do it. When God send you to a place, that's the place that you go to. And when you are an evangelist, you should obey God rather than man. That means that God is not going to call you to something and you sit down on your behind and call yourself an evangelist and you ain't gathering. That's supposed to be a desire that you don't want to see nobody lost. You, you ready to say, God, whatever you want me to do on Monday, here I am. You all in the store. People know you. They go to that evangelist. Here he, she come again. They be taking off running. Cause that's what you do all the time. So then we look at after he got through. Now I want to show y'all this. When we look at Philip here. It said that after he preached Christ unto them, things begin to take place. Unclean spirits crying with loud voices came out of many that were possessed with them. And many taken with, uh, was it palsy, and that were lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Why do you think there was great joy? Because the kingdom have come. And people that had things on them, they knew that the kingdom had come because there was a change that took place. The lame walk, the blind see, this happened through an evangelist. So when an evangelist go out and begin to preach the kingdom, signs and wonders supposed to follow them evangelists. Why? Because they have the gifts of the spirit. They are equipped to do this. So then we go on. This is the part I want you to see. Now, y'all know there was a sorcerer in that city, right? And that sorcerer bewitched the people of Samaria, and he gave out that he was some great one. But all of them took heed until it said that Philip came in preaching the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. They were baptized both men and women. So we know that evangelists can go in there and baptize, right? But guess what happened? Then Simon, a Simeon himself, believed also. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. But guess what? Philip was through, wasn't he? Philip did his job. He went in there and preached. Change came in. But guess what? He baptized them. But guess what? Them apostles come in there. Guess what happened? Let's read it. Y'all go with me. Y'all already did. I'm going to turn to my Bible. Acts 8. I know y'all done read it. Tell me what it say. Okay, this is what it's saying. So when we look at after Philip finished doing what he had to do, And then this is what happened with the man. Um, He wanted that power, right? Verse 14 said, Now when the apostles, which were at Jerusalem, heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John. Peter and John was apostles, y'all. The apostles heard that they received the word. Why would they send Peter and John? Listen at this. 
who when they were come down prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. Philip went in and baptized them, right? Signs and wonders happened. But they sent Peter and John in and they what? They received the Holy Ghost. It had not yet fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. Now, when, when Simeon saw, Simon saw what had happened, he wanted it, right? Y'all know what happened to, to him. But look at this right here. The apostles come in and they were like governing, wasn't they? Because the work was done, but what were they doing? Huh? They were laying hands, but they were coming in there to make sure everything was done the way it needed to be done. They were following up. They were following through. And guess what? When they came in and they began to talk, they began to talk to that spirit, <laughs> that lying spirit that was in Simon. And guess what? Y'all know what happened. So this is what I'm saying. Then after then, Philip is talked about again. The angel of the Lord told him in verse 26, and the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go towards the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza. So you see, he's an evangelist. What is he doing? He's traveling. What did he do with the eunuch? The eunuch didn't understand what he was reading. Philip gave him understanding in what he was reading. What did he do? He gave him the word. Did he not? His evangelist's purpose is to go in with the kingdom of God to bring change, to take them out of darkness into light. He gave him understanding. After that, he baptized him, and then all of a sudden, he got taken away somewhere else. What am I saying? An evangelist is always on the move because they're out to gather. And that's why the church gets full too because if the evangelist is out gathering, the evangelist is going to send them where their local church is, guess what? That's what they do because that evangelist is up under that pastor. But then when the evangelist is in the house, the evangelist is teaching the ones that say that they believe that they're an evangelist. They're training them. They're raising them up while they're in the house and they're teaching on evangelism. That's their job. It's not their job to pastor nobody. So if you see an evangelist trying to pastor somebody, they're out of their lane. That's the pastor's job because they're coming in to take the pastor's job. No, you gather, you drop off. And then the pastor takes his duty and then the teachers take their duties. And guess what? We're building the body of Christ. That's our jobs. So when we know what we're supposed to do, we stay where? In our lane. When you go to Acts 21, it's verifying 21.8 that Philip was an evangelist and he had four daughters that did what? prophesy so we see that philip he was first what a deacon right he was a deacon but when he moved into the calling that was his call let me break it down if y'all know me i keep saying that because some people don't really know me and been with me for a long time i'm gonna say it like jesus said philip said was it philip say lord show us god he said philip i've been with you so long and you don't see the father I'm going to say that to some of y'all. Y'all been with me so long, but yet don't know me. Anyway, we see that Philip first was walking as a deacon. But when he got called to that um, call as an um, evangelist, that's where he stayed. He was in that call. Y'all can see through scripture and it verified it. 
So what we have to understand that an evangelist go out and gather the people. Now, the function of an evangelist, I want y'all to understand this, is after non-believers, not believers. Why am I saying this? Because if an evangelist is out and they're gathering up believers, what are they doing? When you have an evangelist meeting, you should have a meeting really to um, raise either. Well, I'll put it this way because I want to stay in my lane because I want some people to take this wrong. When you have a meeting, an evangelist, first meeting is going to be in the house they're in to do the part they're supposed to do with raising up other evangelists, teaching people how to evangelize through what? Through the word of God. Their main function is to evangelize. If you go out and you have a meeting, you have a meeting for the unsaved. That's the main point of an evangelist to uh, make sure that people are taken out of darkness and they're translated into the kingdom of his dear son. So you after the unsaved. Any evangelist that's looking for saved folk, y'all help me out here because when we have meetings for saved folks, guess what I'm going to do as an apostle? I'm going to make sure you get in what you need. If an evangelist have a meeting for saved folks, they're teaching on evangelism. They're teaching how to evangelize. That's what they're doing. And when people come into that meeting, they're making sure that they don't follow them. They're sending them back to where they come from. They're just building them up in that area. And they're letting them know about evangelism. And I think this is where people are getting stuff mixed up. People are trying to, I'll, I'll use me. I have to use me because some people think I'm always trying to put them somewhere. Anyway, when I go places, what I do? Anybody? Somebody come up here. Rico, come up here, please. Nobody don't want to answer too quick, huh? I'm using me for an example. When you go places, God will send you in a place to root up and tear down strongholds off of God's people's lives. And what is that called? Being an apostle. There you go. And laying the foundation. There you go. In order. So when somebody invite me to their house, this is the first thing that Darlene does when she make the call. She let them know my credentials, who I am. And then she tell them, will she have free course in your house? If they say no, I don't need to come. I don't. But if they say yes, they're giving me right to go in that house to make sure that house is governing according to the pattern of God. And if it's not governing to the pattern of God, they're giving me right to uproot what was not right and to plant what's supposed to be planted. That's what I do. I don't go in there to take over that house. I go in there to do what God has called me to do. Y'all, I want y'all to remember, it is not about titles. It's about him. It's about his hand going where he want his hand to go and doing what he wanted to do. So this is what I do. I don't try to have meetings to get people. I have meetings to make sure people are in the place they need to be in. And then after that meeting, if they need training or whatever, we have what? Clem, 
training school. I don't have the school to get them to come into Miracle Temple. I have the school to educate them to do what God has called them to do. That's what we're supposed to do. So getting back to an evangelist. An evangelist does what? Gather. Did y'all notice that when Philip left the place, he didn't stay there with them people? Did y'all notice that? Philip got out of there, didn't he? Because he knew there had to be somebody in that town. Once he got those people where they needed to be, out of darkness into light, guess what? There had to be a shepherd. There had to be an elder there for them to get whatever else they needed. There had to be teachers. So we have to make sure we stay with the order of God. Y'all, this is not about us. It's about him setting up his kingdom on earth. And the only way he can set it up on earth is he is the one that appoint the fivefold, the ones that he want to operate in the body of Christ representing him. We ain't representing ourselves. We're representing him. I'm going to say it again. Stay in your lane. It's too many people out of their lane. It's too many people trying to hold stuff, but not teaching about the kingdom. They're teaching about what they want to teach about to gather people in, to give them a word, to keep the people to follow them. We supposed to follow them as they're following the pattern of Christ. And if they're not following Christ, you need to pull up out of there. This is what people are doing. So an evangelist, they're going to gather the people. Let's look at um, 2 Timothy 4, verse 2 through 5. This is Timothy. And this is what um, Paul was telling Timothy. Timothy was a pastor, but then he was telling him to do the work of an evangelist. But he was a pastor. Um, Preach the good news, the gospel. We read it all times. Whether it is convenient or inconvenient, in season or out of season. I'm going to stop right there. He said, preach the good news, the gospel. Be ready at all times. I'm reading the expanded version. Whether it is convenient or inconvenient. Let's stop right there. You know what we say, and we say God called us to something. Well, that's just not convenient for me. Is that what we're going to tell God? But this is who I am. But we're telling God what we can do and what we can't do. I'm going to give you another example. Like when God had set me apart, set me aside, and called me to do what I needed to do, guess what? I was just ready. I just said, well, Lord, whatever you have me to do, that's what I would do. I wouldn't even worry about that man, period. You know, I wasn't worrying about that man because I said, God, you called me to this. You got to take care of that man. It ain't my job to take care of that man because if God called me to something, he's going to get that man in his place. And if that man is not lining up with what God want him, what want me to do, God worked it out. Didn't he work it out with Joseph? And if the man is saved and say he know Jesus, he shouldn't hinder me anyway. Right? So that tells you that whatever God called you to do, God's going to equip you to do it. He's going to make the way for it to be done. You shouldn't have to worry about the man, the husband, or the wife. God is going to deal with them. He dealt with Joseph. Come on, she come back big as a tick. He wanted them to stone her. <laughs> he know they ain't my baby. I ain't been with her. I was betrothed. We was getting ready to get down, but we ain't had a chance yet. So she come back here bloated. God had to lay him down and say, listen here. What she's carrying belong to me, Joseph. Get in line with it. And he got in line, didn't he? See, God God already, y'all, God ain't like man. God's going to handle his business. 
Whatever he called you to do, he's already made the way for you to do it. You just need to accept the call. That's another thing. Whatever he called you to do, you have to accept that call and walk in what he has called you to do. You got to accept it. When you, that's the first thing is saying, yes, Lord. If this is what you have called me to do, this is what I'm going to do. Now, when he called you to do it, he's going to put you up under the right place to get you trained to do what you do. Come on, I ain't never seen a truck driver that can drive an 18-wheeler driving a little hearse. And got trained to drive the um, 18-wheeler, but say, I prefer to do the hearse. Well, stay in the hearse. Because God ain't going to force you to do nothing. And somebody going to ask you, you got CDLs, you got all of that, and you driving a hearse? Why did you go get that? So this is what I'm saying. Whatever God has called you to do, he's already made the way for you to do it. But sometimes we get off our game because we're trying to do something that God ain't called us to. We're trying to operate in something that God didn't tell us to operate in. We're trying to be the apostle. We're trying to be the pastor. We're trying to be the evangelist. We're trying to be the prophet. We're trying to be the teacher. I carry all them roles. That's just who I am. Well, which one are you today? Well, what you need? Well, I'm having a situation. What kind of situation is it? And they got a pastor. Something's wrong with that picture, y'all. Y'all know something's wrong with that. So we look at Timothy, and this is what um, Paul was telling Timothy. He said, and tell people what they need to do, correct, reprove. Tell them when they're wrong, rebuke. rebuke. This is a part, too, y'all, of a pastor's role. People want to be a pastor, but they don't want to bring correction. They don't want to bring rebuke. They don't want to tell them when they're wrong. They just sit there and watch them fall in a ditch. But I'm a pastor. How can a pastor watch a sheep getting ready to go over a cliff and say, go? That's who you say you are. You can't even handle conflict in your own home and you want to be a pastor. Got something for that too because it gives you how a pastor is supposed to be. If you can't handle your own home and handle your own children and handle your money, God ain't going to put you behind no pulpit to screw up the kingdom. Duh. But that's what people say they are. You can't be no pastor and the deacon telling you what to do. You out of order. You shouldn't even be listening to no deacon. But you a pastor. Well, the the deacon say, I can't preach this. If I preach this, I'm fired. Fire me. Because I'd rather obey God than obey man. I didn't come here for no deacon to dictate to me. As I recall, the Bible says the apostles told them. You go look for them deacons, (laughs) ones that are honest report, full of the Holy Ghost, full of the faith. Those are the ones that need to serve the tables. We need to continually be in our word. See, that's how it's supposed to be. Them deacons sitting over there and over there. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all know them. I ain't going to call them out. If I put my hands on something, they should have their hands on. Oh, you need some more training. Sit down. Why am I doing what you're supposed to be doing? Did, we, did you miss a class? That's why we train. That's why we train. So when we train you, you shouldn't have to ask me nothing. You, I'm going to train you according to the word and what you're going to do. You're going to do it. Because nobody's supposed to be lording over you. 
They don't supposed to be trying to act like, oh, I'm the big cheese up in here. You're going to listen to me or this is it. No, they ain't how it's supposed to be. We give you the word. And because you honor God and you honor his word, you do what the words say. You don't be saying, well, I wonder if that was God or if that was apostle. The Bible say give and it shall be given unto you. Who said it? And if you know I'm not a thief and a robber, you shouldn't be asking them questions. And you shouldn't let nobody tell you I'm no thief and no robber if you know me. Hello? Okay. Second Timothy 4, 2 through 5. So this is what he said. And verse 3 says, because the time will come when the people will not listen to, put up with, endure the truth. Sound, healthy teaching, but will find many more gathered around themselves, accumulated. Teachers who please them meet their needs, desires by saying the things they want to hear. Is this not happening? They're saying what people want to hear. Their ears itch for. They will stop listening to turn their ears, hearing away from the truth, and will begin to follow, wonder, turn aside to false stories, myths, but you should control yourself, be sober-minded at all times, accept trouble, endure hardship, do the work of telling the good news and evangelist, and complete all the duties of a servant of God. Fulfill your service in ministry. Paul was an apostle. He was coming to Timothy, and he was telling Timothy, you do the work of an evangelist. He was telling him, these are some of the things that will happen, but that should not stop you from doing what you were called to do. He was encouraging him. So what am I saying? If you have a call of an evangelist on your life, how you know you really got that call? Because there's a passion, there's a desire for winning souls, for winning the lost. You don't want no one, and all of us should have that desire, but that evangelist have such an anointing on their life. This is what they lay down with. This is what they get up with. If they see somebody, they're drawn to that person and they begin to talk about the kingdom and how Jesus come to restore the kingdom. This is not how God wanted to be here on earth, but this is what God is saying for the here and the now. So when they begin to preach that, they're going to see people coming to Jesus, coming into the kingdom. They're going to see people healed, delivered and set free. And then they're going to say, you know what? Now you you need to go into a place where you can be raised up, where you can be trained, and you give them the place to go into. I had one lady, I don't know if y'all know her, it was Sister um, Annie Haler, and she's from the Hampstead area, and I met um, Sister Annie, Annie Haler doing a meeting, um, I think we went to Southport, and doing that meeting, if I'm wrong, you let me know, Jennifer, she was an evangelist, and she talked about the kingdom of God. She talked about, you know, the things dealing with the kingdom, the love of God. She talked about all of that. And I remember when she called us up to the altar and I was standing there with my hands up. She also had an anointing on her life for a prophet as well. And I had my hands up and the only thing she did was touch me like this and say, you already walking in faith. The faith of God. And the only thing I knew I was out on the floor. I tell you what I had on a brown sweater a pair of these tights and, a, and one of them pocketbooks right here. And I was out on the floor like this right here. And I said, thank you, Jesus. And, but then when I got up, I said, well, she said, I already, um, you know, walking in faith and everything. But, oh, uh, you didn't give me nothing else. That's all the Lord told her to give me. From that point on, we became close. 
And she began to tell me, this is when I was walking as an evangelist and didn't know it. She was training me in that area. You know what this woman did? Bought me a Bible. The Bible had the Amplified and the King James in it. And then she would give me um, a manual dealing with deliverance. She was raising me up as an evangelist. And she said, go preach the word in season and out of season. Y'all, I was dumb because I didn't know what she was talking about. But she knew the call that was on my life. So she would um, take me with her different places, encouraging me in the things of the Lord and telling me how God is going to use you to reach his people, to bring people in. God had someone to give me that. And the thing was, y'all, I didn't have a place to go in to have a covering, but he sent her to me to raise me up until I could get a covering. So when I got in these places, I knew what wasn't right because I knew what I had. So what am I telling you? God is not going to leave you to yourself. But one thing she did not do, she was not having me to follow her. She never had me to follow her. She would never give me anything that God didn't say. When I asked her something, and see, I didn't have a pastor then, she always directed me to the word. She never brought glory unto herself. Ooh, but she talked now. Lord knows I know she talked. I remember when we, it was funny, when we buried my uncle and I had to do the eulogy and everything, and I asked her to do the New Testament or something, I should have let her do the eulogy. Because when she got up there, she was up there. Because she was so full of the word, and she would just go on and on and on and on because she loved the word. If anybody knew Evangelist Haler, she was just in the word. She, you know, believed if I present this word, signs and wonders shall follow. And this lady, to this day, she send people without a church here. She'll tell me. I asked me, do you have a church home? And they'll say, no. She said, you need to go to Burgall. They way over there on her end. Why? She said, because I know what you teach. And I know what they're going to get. So I'm going to send them to the place that they get what they need. She was doing things in order, y'all. She was not pulling people out of anything. And when she held meetings, she held meetings to win souls. She held meetings to build those up that had that call on their life so they could go out and do what she was doing. But she was not taking them from their church and she would not talk against their pastor. She was raising them up to be whom God had called them to be. So I have wrapped up evangelists except a few things. And the reason why I have wrapped it up so quickly, when you go through the word of God, you see Philip. Philip is a good model to look at dealing with an evangelist. You know, Paul, he did evangelize because everywhere Paul went, he preached the word. We went over Jesus. Um, so we want to follow his example and what he did. We know signs and wonders followed him as well. So understand this, just because you win souls don't mean you're an evangelist. Everybody in here can evangelize because the word tells you to go ye therefore. You do not need a license to do that. But an evangelist will have an anointing on their life for them to reach somebody you may not could have reached. Look at Billy Graham, y'all. Y'all see all those stadiums, the football fields is full when he come into town. And you see all those people that come forward um, to enter into the kingdom of God, to be born again, to be saved. But it's many people there that are already saved. But what's happening? What are you doing? He's stirring them up for evangelism. Because when I listen to B Billy Graham and hear him talk about it, I get stirred up all over again. I'm like, wow, yeah, that is right. Praise Jesus. 
And it makes you say, wait a minute, I, I need to go to McDonald's. I need to do something. Why? Because they, they stir you up for, for that call. They stir you up to evangelize. They let you know there's a heat up under your butt. You just can't sit there and watch somebody die. It's the truth. An evangelist is supposed to stir you up with that call that's on their life. Billy Graham, he stir what? People up. Does he not? Joyce Myers is different from Billy Graham. Anybody notice? Her teachings is totally different. Billy Graham stick exactly to what? Evangelism. Where's Joyce Myers? She's in every area. Is she not? She's in every area. She's building you up in every area. But Billy Graham sticks to the call that God has on his life. So what am I telling you? Stay in your lane. Thank you, Julia. Stay in your lane because if you come in my lane, you're going to get run over. (laughs) Y'all don't know? You're going to get run over for real. And the reason why I'm saying that because I know who I am. I know what God called me to do, and I'm not going to let nobody dictate to me the call that's on my life. And when I have people to stand in front of me and get rebellious, and this is God telling you through me what you need to do, it's not that I'm trying to say I'm better. I want everybody to know in this room, the fivefolding a bit more better than anybody else in this room. They shouldn't make themselves any better. But as long as they're following the pattern of God and doing what God is telling them to do, then people should honor the fivefold. Because if you didn't have the fivefold training you up and raising you up, how can you go out and make disciples? That's just like on a job. You may start out in a, in a little position, but the longer you stay there and they see how good you're working, they'll come to you and say, I believe that you could take this position here. I believe that this is what you can do. And I'm going to give you an example. When I started out, um, I started out at Wilson's and I started out as a cashier. And when I went to uh, do the cashiering job, everything I did, it was just a part of me. It was doing it in excellency. I didn't want nothing to be off. I wanted it to be right. So my appearance and everything, I don't care if I was at a cash register, my hair had to be right, everything had to be right. So I had a, um, a new guy that, that came to Wilson, and when he come, he was the manager. And I was only there not too long, and this other girl trained me. So after she got through training me, I remember the manager called me in and he said, I've been watching you. I said, okay. He said, I'm going to make you front end. I'm going to make you over all the cashiers. I'm like, huh? And I'm like, "Mm, okay. This girl told me when she was training me, she said, I'm going to be front end cashier. I said, okay. I said, okay. But he hadn't told me yet. So anyway, he called her. He said, I'm going to tell you something. Don't say nothing. Because this girl going to be mad because she thinks she getting front end. So I said, okay. So when I come out, she said, what's going on? I said, nothing. So I went on about my business. And he called her in there and told her that I was going to be front end. And I heard her say, how can she be front end? I've been here longer than she's been here. That, uh, her whole attitude changed. My one changed too because she's been there way longer than me. She trained me, y'all. But see, God had something upon my life back then that I was not aware of. So I had to be over all the cashiers, count all the tills down, do the accounting work. And I'm going to tell you something, y'all. Wilson bought in some money. You had to count all that money, make sure it was deposited, do all of this stuff. Anyway, um, being there through that time, the next thing that come up, my cousin come to me and she said, 
They got a job at the hospital, so file clerk. She said, but this job only paid $3.35 an hour. Mind you not, I just got a raise. I was making $4.62. That don't sound good right now, but it was good back then. So the thing was, she said, now, don't pay much. But I had a pull on me, y'all. I was like, apply, apply. So I said, I'm going to apply for this job. So she told me, she said, I wouldn't come out here because it's so much work out here. She said, we'd be rotating trying to file these files back in place. And y'all, it was a little small room. And all around that room from the floor up to the ceiling was files where they were out of place. So I applied for the position. Guess what, y'all? I got the position. So I went in the file room. They were taking turns, two or three girls coming in there and filing files. Within a week... Every file was in the file cabinet. And the C, the top dog CEO, he come up there in that office and he asked the supervisor, where did those files go? And she said, the new cashier, she filed all those files. He said, next position that come open, give it to her. He was watching. Next position that come open, she wouldn't give it to me. But that ain't what God wanted. That's why I couldn't get it. Long story short, next position I got, I went from cashier to skilled nursing unit, meaning that all the the floor that y'all see up there, in which they added some down bottom, I was over that whole floor taking care of their finances, making sure that all their bills and stuff was handled correctly. So I had that whole floor. I stayed in that for years. Next thing, we got a new CFO. And she wanted people to be supervisor so she can make them director of patient accounts. Guess what? I got in the lineup, y'all. When I got in the lineup, I ended up staying in the lineup. I moved from that part to supervising the office to director of patient account. So this is how it was at the hospital. You had the CEO, you had the CFO, and you had the director of patient accounts. So that means that The money that come in, I had to be responsible to make sure that we were getting all the money that was coming through the emergency room, through the floor. We had to make sure money was coming in. Jennifer's a witness over this. When I first started, they were having 700 and some thousand dollars coming in a month. And I remember this lady said they couldn't get past this. When I got in the seat, she said if she get 800,000 in a month, I danced necking on the roof. I said, Jennifer, go call her. (laughs) The money come in. Why am I telling you this? Because it was levels. God had to trust me. I had to be trained in all these levels. Guess what he was training me for? For where I am now. This is why I know what's going on. Because God was raising me up with where I was. So what am I saying to you tonight? Quit getting so antsy. Quit looking at a title. Quit allowing people to whisper in your ear, you this, you that, you the other. Okay, fine. They're going to confirm that. Now you need to sit down and you need to be trained. You need to be taught. Because if you're getting trained and you're getting taught, you should be out there discipling people. You should be bringing those in that don't have somewhere to go. Look at your neighbor and say, we got a problem, NASA, NASA. This is not happening. And don't tell me you cannot make people know you can't. But if we're doing it the way we're supposed to do it, guess what? We should have a full house, right? 
We should. Because if you got a training center that's doing things the right way, you should have a full house. So what am I telling you? Let me wrap it up. Qualifications of an evangelist is full of the Holy Spirit, full of faith, full of wisdom, knowing the gospel of the kingdom of God. They have to know the word of God. And all of these callings with the fivefold, they need to know the word, y'all. They need to be in the word. They need to have revelation knowledge. They need to know when the Lord is speaking unto them. Amen. Last things is I have seven things for ministry for an evangelist. Evangelists are set in the body of Christ by the risen Lord. Y'all know that's Jesus, Ephesians 4, 9 through 11. Until the church come to a perfect man for the work of bringing the saints into the ministry. That is, they are to stir up the saints for personal evangelism as well as equip and release others with evangelist gifts, with the evangelistic gift. And then for the edifying of the body of Christ, they are messengers and bearers of glad tidings to the lost and the dying world. Evangelists should have a sound gospel message and therefore need to be well grounded in truth concerning the kingdom to present the gospel rightly. They should have signs following their word, Mark 16, 15 through 20, and evangelists have a passion for souls. Go back and listen to it again. I'm not going over it again. <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> so we thank God we have wrapped up the evangelist, y'all. Next one, if the Lord's willing, we'll be pastor. We give God glory. Y'all didn't get a lot this time, did you? And it's not because that was intended. It was because when I looked in the word of God, that's what I found. Dealing with an evangelist. And I think that's enough to let you know um, the call of an evangelist and what an evangelist is supposed to do. So if anybody asks you, you should know. When you go back over this teaching, you should know. Amen. Do we have any announcements? Okay, we're going to call the deacons up. We'll have our offering and we will dismiss.